What's up, everybody? It's me, Steve. Quick note before you jump into this episode. Due to a limitation, I believe, of my recording software setup, we won't get into it. Had to break this up into two parts. So, stick around after part one for the story about the Martha Washington School for Insane Girls. And that'll pick up in episode 14 after a little bit of cleanup from episode 13. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for hanging out with us. Have a happy and safe Halloween. We'll talk to you soon. Welcome, once again, to Baked and Awake. It is Sunday, October 22nd, and uh, I'm hanging out this afternoon over in the South Park neighborhood at my friend Paulu Kingston's place, and uh, we're joined today uh, by George Masters as well, who returns to the show. Uh, go ahead and say hello, guys. Hey. Hello. Glad to be here again. <laughs> Good to be here. For the third time. Glad to have you both. Um, and uh, we are hanging out roundtable style today. We're going to uh, sit on this episode for a couple of days. Uh, put it out this Friday, I believe, just in time for Halloween. So you may hear some quiet music in the background here with a bit of a Halloween theme. And that's what we're doing today, just kind of getting into the into the swing of the fall and the holiday. Um, we don't really have a formal strain of the week this week. Uh, we're sipping on some beers, and we have a nice uh, joint we just rolled up uh, of two different strains. George, what are the strains we've got here today? Uh, these are Star Dog and uh, Deadhead OG, two strains that um, I had in a joint last night that were real good put together we'll talk about that a little bit later right because they're kind of they're kind of polar opposites so we'll we'll see we're gonna well let's light it up and and enjoy that uh first off and i think i need your fire once again george because I, I left my lighter in the car okay I mean, that's over I've, I've got one thank you boom clutch um let's get this so while you're lighting that up mm-hmm. i'm gonna look up these two strains just for good measure they're both hybrids. Cool. Um, and while George is looking those up, I'll uh, foreshadow the episode just a little bit. Um, each of us has uh, come sort of, you know, semi-ready to chat today about, you know, a, a single topic. Um, George is going to talk to us about uh, something really fun that he's been looking into that should be uh, really of interest to uh, the group here, and that being... A little b- further of a uh, d- 
discussion of the phenotypes, indica and sativa. Uh, excuse me, those are those are genotypes. Okay, so cannabis indica, know. cannabis sativa, and then there's a third identified genotype that uh, has only been, I think, understood since the. 80s or 90s or maybe it was the 70s I, I should go back to my own hemp history timeline for that because I think it was uh, identified in the hemp history timeline I want to say it was the 70s mm-hmm. cannabis ruderalis which is the lower THC uh, but still smokable levels of THC autoflowering um, variety of cannabis um, which is very interesting and without parking on this grass too much longer here let me get this Okay, and just without to, putting dioxin in it for George, I'll give it a there tap. There you go. Thank you. There you go. Look yes. at that. Less plastic in my joint. <laughs> uh, so Star Dog and Deadhead OG are actually both hybrids, both sativa leaning hybrids. And all right, perfect um, for a show like today. We got work to do. Yeah, we got work to do. But I found this particular combination of these two strains in a joint to be very relaxing, clear-headed, uh, good, comfortable really nice I like the sound of all those things I like to be clear headed and comfortable absolutely 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 Uh, so George George is going to jump into a discussion of Indica versus Sativa here in about two seconds flat and uh, when he's done uh, we're going to talk with Palu a little bit about the real world uh, and you know just things that are going on uh, in in the larger picture uh, today and um then I've got a bit of, I don't know if you want to call it a ghost story, but a, an interesting story about a historic Seattle landmark that is presently a city park and that has a very dark and Halloween-y kind of history, to put it very lightly, to say the least. Uh, while I take a puff of this, do you want to take it away, George? Yeah. So uh, what I wanted to do is continue the conversation a little bit that I started in episode nine on um, the really the chemical side of cannabis and the, the neuro effects and things like that, um, and talk about sativa and indica and what the real differences are and where those differences come from, and um, you know, maybe a little bit about what the effects of those differences are. So. I think most everyone would agree that indica and sativa have their own distinctive effects. Most people reach for a sativa when they're looking for something energetic, maybe when they're waking up in the morning or on their lunch break or about to do some housework. Then in the evening when all is done and it's time to sit and listen to music or watch a movie, the indica provides a deeply relaxing medicine for a tired body and mind. I have experienced the contrast between strains such as green crack and blueberry, two great examples of indicas and sativas. One hits like an electrical storm, and one sinks into me like a coma. I have learned which strains serve me well in the daytime, and which ones can be counted on to knock me unconscious. Last night, I enjoyed a joint rolled... Well, at the time, I thought it was really a a mixture of indica and sativa. Turns out it really wasn't. But (laughs) let's just say, for the sake of uh, of conversation, that I smoked a joint last night that was a combination of both. Um, And it piqued my interest, and I decided to look up um, the science around the differences between uh, the two genotypes. Genotypes? I believe that's the case. And about indica sativa. There you go. And uh, to do some reading and find out a little bit more. And... Um, 
the sedating, ultra-relaxing indica uh, paired with a, a stimulating sativa delivers a functional intoxicating stone that's perfect for the evening hours that that would follow maybe if you're having something like that before dinner. You don't want to shut yourself down, but you want to relax and you want a little bit of both. And I started to think, um, is there, d does a hybrid present uh, a good combination of these qualities between sativa and indica, or are you giving something up? Is it better if you really want a little bit of both? Do you want to mix the two together? They seem marketed so, that way, right? Like right. the hybrids. Yeah, they, they end up being marketed that way. And I, I don't know yet, and we're not going to go that sure. deep quite Sorry. yet. Continue. But I think that that's, um, that's something that I want to dig into a little bit more. So I asked myself, what exactly is it that makes sativa and indica affect the human nervous system in such different ways? Why does an indica put you in the couch? Why can a sativa, if you're susceptible to such things, give you an anxiety attack? Or make you feel like, I said, like you're in an electrical storm inside your brain. Uh, well, first, the two evolved to live in very different climates. Sativa is evolved to handle the warm, humid environments of climates that occur between 0 and 30 degrees latitude. Uh, the shorter, sturdier, more resinous indica probably evolved to handle harsher climates between 30 and 50 degrees latitude, such as in Afghanistan where some of the uh, strains of uh, indica um, come from. Indica tends to mature more quickly, making it a more attractive strain for farms looking to turn product more quickly. This is why we see so many hybrids on the market. People want the benefits of sativas, and farms want faster maturing schedules so that they can develop strains which uh, present both of these characteristics. Most, most, most of what you see out there right now are hybrids because it just enables farms to turn product more quickly and it also satisfies the actual needs of the market. People don't want to always be uh, stuffed into the couch by what they're smoking and they don't always want to be, um, you know, sent into a panic state by some sort of manic sativa. Sorry for dying. So Steve is, is choking over next to me because this is such a great combination. <laughs> Yummy. Yeah, it's delicious and... and uh, Smooth. I, yeah, I found it to be very smooth, but I also don't hit so hard. All right, so uh, the two families of cannabis look different and evolve for different climates, but there are also chemical differences that result from this evolution. Those chemical differences arrive from, arise from uh, a combination of, one, genetics, whether it's indica or sativa, and which strain, and two, growing conditions, and three, genetic variation is just a part of biology. Sativa will present a certain set of characteristics on average, indica another, and the growing conditions will affect how these character characteristics are presented. Uh, then, just as you have, for instance, three kids with wildly different personalities, a given strain will smoke differently simply because of genetic variation occurring naturally. With the exception of THC and CBD, all strains present the full panel of cannabinoids and terpenes. The variation in character within and between strains occurs as uh, these levels of these chemicals varies from strain to strain and from plant to plant. Even within a given plant, these levels can vary from bud to bud. 
recent research has shown that there are specific terpenes that affect uh, the high in very specific ways. Um, there is one in particular that is heavily involved in creating the couch lock effect uni uh, universally associated with indicas. Myrcene, it has been shown, plays a majority role in creating a couch lock from an otherwise energizing high. Indica, as it happens, presents this terpene at much higher quantities than the sativa. Note that myrcene is not a cannabinoid. It's not THC, it's not CBD. You can find strains with high levels of this uh, terpenoid, myrcene, and very low levels of either uh, THC or uh, CBD. While it is not a cannabinoid, myrcene is neuroactive, and it is a controlling agent in flipping THC effect from That's energizing to sedating. So, Terps as are powerful, right? They're very powerful, and and when you look at a label and you see just CBD and THC, and you see it as being uh, indica or sativa, you're going to have an assumption that's going to have a certain care, uh, you know, behavior on your mind. We're only beginning to give them credit. We're beginning to give them credit. We're recognizing right. them. We're talking about them in, in terms of the entourage effect. Yes. Yeah, that's a big deal. And maybe deal. their effect isn't that marked, even in strong concentrations, which you probably never stumble upon, naturally, coincidentally. It, 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 yeah, it may or may not be. Although and these terps are in all sorts of foods. They're in everything. Right. Yeah, terpene is a, is a class of chemical that is found in all sorts of, of organic um, substances. But it's... Uh, <laughs> In the case of marijuana, the terpenes are really probably what give the strains their their distinctive uh, smell and flavor, and they impact the high. In the case of indica and sativa, a terpene is responsible for the difference to a great extent, which I found very interesting. I, I, so. uh, that was totally bared out by um, my friend uh, on Instagram, Urban Culture. I reposted his post just the other day about indica and sativa if you guys haven't seen it it's like a 59 second video of him driving down the road and he just bangs out all these little facts about indica and sativa and and he absolutely was talking about the difference in terps between the two yeah and how they interact with the human body yeah it's it was eye-opening so that's to read really these cool things. so and that so then good info george because you're you know at least twice in a week i heard you know a lot of this same kind of info yeah about indica versus sativa it was the specific conversation that he was having and then it went to the terpenes yeah well people are digging Crazy. into this now because it has so much of an involvement and you're going to see more and more of the terpene breakdowns um will be printed on the labels of these products because people become more and more aware and they're testing for it now you right. know and the yep. better and the better growers are looking yeah. for that info and and then they're figuring out how to Tout it, how yeah. to market it. It is. Know, it's to, a marketing uh, tool you know, for well, sure. You need to. You need to because, let people know. You understand it. Right. You can. You can let people know who are educated cannabis consumers. Let them know that the product that they're consuming the is skipped. going to have a characteristic, uh, you know, high level of mercine. Maybe this uh, is a product you want the audience to be people who are looking for certain relaxation. No surprises. Yes, this product has this terpenoid that has a proven uh, effect of, of uh, relaxation or couch lock or whatever. Anyway, so just to, to close this article, at least, I, I was going to say that, um, and we actually kind of touched on this just now, 
But as we continue to build science around the cannabis industry, chemical breakdowns will increasingly detail the terpenoid ingredients of marijuana products. Just as CBD modulates THC in certain ways, so do the terpenoids modulate THC, and together with other uh, lesser cannabinoids, give indica, sativa, and their respective strains their distinctive characteristics. So I'm intending to, in further episodes, um, follow up with deeper dives and some of the science around this stuff in particular because it's really interesting and i think that as marijuana becomes more uh, universally accepted as a a culinary experience as much as an intoxicating experience Mm -hmm. the terpenoids are going to be really the center of that conversation so i look forward to uh learning some more i love it um i wonder if uh cannabis ruderalis for example an unsung hero that you know is kind of regarded as a redheaded stepchild, not unlike um, you know uh, uh, coffee robusta versus coffee arabica. You know the the arabica bean versus the uh, the robusta style coffee bean, which is a larger, uh, more acidic, higher caffeine uh, tendency genotype of the coffee plant um, but it's still roastable is still drinkable is still you know consumable exactly the same as arabica and is often blended with arabicas whether we know it or not in our in our favorite coffees um, it's lower cost it's more robust it grows bigger in a shorter amount of time all these things are said to be uh, true of uh, ruderalis cannabis ruderalis what I was going with this was I would be interested to learn how many terpenes are in hemp, industrial hemp or medicinal hemp, which can be mm-hmm. processed into CBD and CBG, CBN products, those, all those products. Um, and then uh, what are the terpene profiles, for example, in ruderalis there again? Uh, because then maybe that, as you're talking about, George, for, for food purposes for whole plant consumption purposes, not smoking it, not necessarily even vaping it, putting it literally in salads, using it every day, you know, in your diet, in your juice blends and things like that, because that's where a lot of the believed health benefits for cannabis actually lie. Okay, of course. Like, so what do you do with every other plant? You eat it, usually. If it's a good, healthy plant for us, we eat it. Usually, right? Yeah. Sure. Well, just from an evolutionary perspective, how long have we been eating things? A forever. Long time. How long have we been I think ever, forever, them? right? Not that long. <laughs> Can anybody? Got to be forever. Yes, right? right. And then smoking like... as soon as we could, probably. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> probably as soon as we had that fire, we're like, hey, yeah, come over here. Stand over here. Thag. Small Thag. Come here. Though. Dude, just stand downwind over here. It's fucking great, isn't it? Yeah. Hey, Grog, throw another branch on. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, if you in in uh on that conversation yep. of uh you know uh, terpenoids being found in foods as opposed to cannabis mm-hmm. um that have perhaps the same effects uh hops there you go yep uh, closely related i believe right. hops has a relation perhaps so so you find hops obviously in beer in in varying amounts and hops contains large quantities of myrcene. Same chemical found in indica Sedative. that they say, right, turns the THC Relaxing. into a couch lock. 
um, <coughs> effect instead of yep. uh, the opposite. And and so yep. think of your your uh, real hoppy IPAs and think of how they make you feel. And so Chances what is it in the sativas? It's the limonene that's uh, yeah. the one that perks you up, right? That was what we just said? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. Love it. Um, Love it. Think of how uh, your IPA makes you feel, and there's a chance that there is a, a quality mm-hmm. of that sensation that you will also detect in a very high mercine indica, for instance. Uh, the uplifting, I think they were saying, was the uplifting effect that is <laughs> amplified by mercine. So, uh, as well as, you know, you can be uplifted and couch locked mm-hmm. at the same time. The mm-hmm. mercine in indica is going to be uh, affecting that same effect as hops in beer which is really fascinating to just point out one of i'm sure what'll be many more examples that we'll learn about in the future but that's so awesome george good stuff dude yeah it's really interesting good stuff oh it's also in mangoes and lemongrass yes and that is now so i've heard before about the was that the mercine one or is is mercine mercine in in mango interesting so you want to go if you want to pronounce the effect of the indica, eat the mango. There you go. If you want to temper, yeah. if you want to temper the effect of the sativa, eat the mango. <laughs> right. Yeah. If it's, if it's got you in, all loopy and you so, can't but sit that's still. the cool thing. So that that indicates that as we understand each of these better, and really understand them, like fucking get it. Yeah. And you're using the plant fully, like and going full power after it. Um, like, you can use it knowledgeably and have an even better experience than you already were, which is uniformly pretty good for the most part. I think most of us would agree. Obviously, edibles can be interesting and risky. So actually, when we're talking about whole plant consumption and stuff like that, you do have to be cool. you know. But So when I'm talking about juicing, for example, that's cold plant. It's non-psychoactive. We're not heating any of the THCAs or CBDAs into THC or CBD, the psychoactive or body bonding active versions of themselves. Um, And so what we get instead is all the antioxidants that are in the plant, the vitamins and minerals that are in the plant. You know, if you have clean cannabis, right? You You want clean plant, of course. And of course, this is a moot point for most people because you can't you can't grow it like tomatoes in your garden. Right, so it's a very expensive salad. Right, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's not going to get you high. Absolutely. So, you <laughs> so, know, that's the thing. And, and and so at the levels that most states even allow home grow anyway, it's still kind of not really there, okay? We're, we're not, you know, you probably could grow as much hops as you wanted to in your backyard, okay? Enough to choke a rhino, as they say. But you can't, you can't, you know, do that with your cannabis plants. You have, you know, as we already know, you know, caps in most of the legal states, or whether you know it or not, because I don't know how much we've really gone into that here together, but, you know, I look at that stuff all the time, and, you know, you're looking at, you know, 12 plants, 24 plants, you know, not much more than that in most in most states, because what they'll do is they'll either cap the total number of plants that can be at a, at a given street address, uh, period, uh, you know, or... If that address can have more, it'll be due to a special license that exists even within the rest of the larger infrastructure for, like, medical 
disbursement of the of the plant to, to patients. Um, <clears throat> anyway, uh, so that that is fun stuff. I'm gonna be interested to learn more about uh, terpenes. Period. Whether it's sativa indica or any of that. But I am interested in in the future, and I'll bring uh, that back to the table myself. I want to I want to learn more about ruderalis. I want to learn more about and continue to look at the uh, emerging industrial market. Okay, because I do believe industrial hemp, uh, CBD derived products from hemp, and then straight up regular like mundane industrial synthesized processed up you know plastics based from hemp, fuels based from hemp, fabrics and textiles based from hemp inks and dyes based from hemp, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, uh, hempcrete, et cetera, there's, you know, things like that uh, that exist. Uh, you know, not all of which might be world-changing, but many of which are, you know, world-impacting types of technologies that are all derived from hemp and all of which look like they could provide some easement of other, you know, needs in terms of industries that are very taxing on the actual land around us and the resources you know obviously paper etc so uh anyway i'm on a rant i'm obviously on a rant <laughs> it's a good place to be on a rant <laughs> if you're gonna do it yeah. uh all right i like the uh i like the music it's really working for me right now uh Paulo, i'm gonna get up and get another beer but I was hoping that you were still capable of telling us about the real world a little bit. I'm not yeah. sure looking over at you. What, yeah. what what got to him? Was it the star dog or was it the <laughs> fucking I, kush on I the other side? Because something got him. Yeah. Something got a deadhead OG. I think it was the deadhead. <laughs> it's right there in black and white, Paul. What? That's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> I, I brought the oh, ruination. Shit. That's great. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Ah! Courtesy of my girlfriend oh, who rolled the original joint oh, of this stuff. It. That was great. That was great. So, I mean, what do you think? So, all right, we can make it easy here. We can make it easy. Um, so, to bring everybody up to speed, you know, uh, Palu uh, definitely tracks the fucking local scene we we all pay attention to pacific northwest you know general politics we got an election going on right now i brought over for example my local um 37th district democrats you know primary election endorsements you know for uh tonight just to share uh with paulu and everything and show him uh and so you know we have been tracking a number of issues that some of which we'll talk about in, in future episodes, some of which we won't touch here. Other people better qualified will mess with a lot of the stuff that we might be interested in and that we would love to talk about. And then if we were sitting together alone off the record, BSN, at dinner together somewhere or at a party together somewhere or at a bar together somewhere, we might talk to you about. But, you know, we're not going there today right now. We're not, you know... Uh, out and out political show, uh, whatever connotations anybody might bring to the title of the show. So, um, but how you doing, my friend? <laughs> I'm pretty lit. Yeah, good. <laughs> well, that's the plan, man. That's what we do. We we get lit up, and then we fuck it up.
you know? Um, look at that. Maybe I can do a one-minute rant or something. Yeah, what do you know? What do you know? All right. Say what's up. Oh, what's up, I'm people? I'm glad I was able to get mine done for it. Good job, said George. Yeah, that was a good move on your part. See? Look at that. That was smooth. George got Sabotage. that way. Well, well done. <laughs> well done over there. Uh, well, I got to talk to some of the citizens of White Center this, this week, and... Uh, Got them to put up um, some posters we have that we're pushing in the movement I'm in. And, uh, Tell us about that a little bit if you want it's to. It's a stop the sweeps. We're trying to get, trying to keep the city from sweeping homeless people from spot to spot. They've been doing it all year round, like five, six, seven, eight hundred sweeps per year or something. I don't know. Right, and this is a long-standing sort of thing around here. This isn't yeah. new. Yeah, it's not new. But it's it's just, yeah, it's just not really helping the situation that much, I don't think. Do we know what the size of Seattle's homeless population is right now, roughly? Uh, I don't have the numbers in you my know, hands, but... Oh, I'm going to look them up. You, know, tell you me can look them up. Them. Well, we're trying to... Let's see. Well, you know, there's a... There's a homeless encampment down on yeah, uh, Myers Way, and uh, you know, hopefully that that can remain there and be supported in some way. Um, yeah. So but, it says here that there yeah. are about 2,900 yeah, homeless exactly. people in Seattle yeah. each night who are unsheltered. I heard that there are about 800 people in Olympia that are unsheltered. I don't know if that's really real, but... Well, so George will also be, no doubt, looking at the King County figure, which is King County. About 10,000. 10,000. <laughs> so, King County. Yeah. You, know, that's, you know, that's every exit ramp going into and out of Seattle. It's the it's the guy standing yeah. on the exit ramp in Lacey. It's yeah. the old lady standing on the exit ramp in Marysville. It's the kid standing on the exit ramp in Bellingham. It's well, here, kids all up and down I-5. But here's the number. Over, okay. Yeah. So why are they, um, a lot of times, why they're, they're standing around is they're looking for money so they can pay for the rooms that are available. But, uh, so of the 11,000 people now in this one article um, tallied in King County who are homeless, uh, 5,500 of those people are um, living outside, living yeah. on the streets. So that means at very most you've got half of the homeless population you actually have a place to sleep at night um, and it's uh, and there sh that number is growing or shrinking it's shrinking because of these sweeps where mm. um, the camps where these people were able to um, actually find a safe place to stay or a place that they was familiar or whatever you know yeah it's my yeah sorry I just, I just got interested in what you were talking about yeah, totally. to step yeah. in but well yeah. so I mean so um What's the current Stop the Sweeps initiative, you know, in a nutshell, as far as well, you understand? It's, it's, I mean, it's kind of, I think, a, what do you call it, like a mash, uh, you know, a, a mobile response or whatever. It's a place where you can heal some wounds. and um, So it's a stopgap thing, but... I'm bringing up their Facebook page, too, right now. <clears throat> So yeah, Stop the Sweeps is connected to Shama Sawant's office. Um, 
are trying to stop spending money on this. You know, or I think there might be some private contractors in there somehow, but I don't know details on that. But right, uh, yeah, it's just it's fucked up. Long time Soto business moving says homeless right. plans to blame. Saw that one. You know, so that's the thing. Okay, um, I think everybody in this room is pretty sympathetic to people living outside. Uh, I know personally a couple of people who are living in this area uh, mm. year round, more or less, uh, outside. Mm. Uh, one in particular that I'm always worried about these days who I've known for a long, long time uh, and who's very close to me and who I wish I could do more for all the time. So, um, and what I've heard personally a lot of times from him is that, you know, because you're in a position of getting rousted and kicked out of wherever you're sleeping all the time, that's one big problem. Um, yeah. You get kicked out by the police, or if you leave your stuff alone and go looking for resources, looking for work, looking for, you know, a meal, and don't bring everything that you own with you, <clears throat> and it is discovered in most of these illegal camping spots. They can simply pick your stuff up and take it all. Yeah. And that's a really great way of moving a person down the road pretty quickly is by, you know, displacing them, dispossessing them, excuse me, of what little they did have, which mm -hmm. in many cases was the tent or the tarp or the, you know, the tent and the tarp that they needed, you know, to get reasonably comfortably through the night. And that's what's happened to uh, one of my friends, at least, was, you know, either it gets stolen by other folks who need it ostensibly almost as badly as him I don't know uh, or a lot of times get taken by the authorities um, and that's probably a version of the sweep isn't it Yeah. I yeah. mean that's part of it yeah. but the sweeps when that happens that's more like a concerted push through an area to clean up an area by right. the city in this case in, in uh, present right yeah. Um, and we're looking at what Soto right now that's being targeted. So yeah, I guess Georgetown. Not exact. I'm not sure on on where right now. Yeah, actually. that's interesting. So I mean, well, I wonder. It's probably everything that falls within city of Seattle, yeah. which could come all the way as far south almost as our house. We have a Seattle address down there in Skyway, mm -hmm. um, and there are, you know, homeless folks living in campers all the way as far south as Rainier Beach for sure, which is just right down the hill, the bottom of the hill from us. Mm. Um, and I mean, fuck for all, I know right up in Skyway, for all I know, I don't know, you know, I'm almost certain, you know, but uh, anyhow. So we'll include some information for anyone who's listening locally uh, to Shama Sawant's office the Stop the Sweeps page on yeah. Facebook, which I've yeah. uh, located here. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're, if you're a Washingtonian uh, and interested in learning more about this, uh, 
you know, I, I do see both sides of the coin. Nobody likes uh, living with, you know, uh, if you're a business owner or a resident, uh, you know, seemingly really desperate and, and a lot of times, uh, you know, sprawling, uh, you know, desperate people inhabiting weird sprawling, uh, seemingly uh, out of place campsites that are a lot of times like right on sidewalks and stuff like that. Like mm -hmm. we're not, I'm not sugarcoating this for anybody. Like a, a lot of times it's, you know, somewhat almost confrontational the way, you know, some folks choose to set up their uh, shelters. And then in other cases, I see zones that, you know, are under a freeway underpass or under mm -hmm. the I-5 there under that, the, the better part of, uh, you know, lower downtown Seattle by Pike's Place to uh, just past the stadiums when you're coming south on, uh, not on uh, I-5, but on 99 and the viaduct. Mm -hmm. There's all sorts of encampments under there and stuff right. like yeah. that yeah. Um, that have been there, you know, on and off for years, but mm -hmm. just like everywhere else, get rousted and right. get swept. They recently got swept. You know, I mean, they get big. Yeah. They get big. They get messy. There's no, you know, yeah. uh, provisions for, you know, staying clean or going to the bathroom, obviously, you know, not to put yeah. too, you know, fine a point on it, you know. Yeah. I mean, obviously, a lot of these people have, you know, their substance abuse problems and stuff. So, so yeah, who wants that in their front yard? Who wants that out in front of their business or even their crappy bodega that sells, you know, 40s and blunt wraps to everybody anyway, you know, that is otherwise an eyesore of its own, you know, but still, you know, even that guy can't operate, you know, and that guy sells Gatorade too and other shit that we need sometimes, so, you know, whatever. Um, I'm not, you know, really passing judgment on anybody here. Um, uh, but we'll, we'll include some info about uh, both of those, um, as well as some other helpful links uh, that relate uh, back to this. And Did you have um, anything actionable that we could uh, learn about Puerto Rico? Do we know how to help there? Well, uh, you know, I, I don't think anybody listening right now in, in 2017 is ignorant to the hurricane that occurred in Puerto Rico about a month right, ago. Right, a month ago, yeah. Um, and, two uh, hurricanes. You know, there we go, two in a row uh, in like three days' time, something like that. Yeah. So. Uh, and, uh, you know, unprecedented uh, uh, intensity in the first in particular mm. of those two uh, and loads of damage down there. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, and a, uh, you know, perhaps a bit of a lackluster uh, response or a, a slightly low energy response uh, initially, uh, it seemed, anyway, uh, mm -hmm. from the United States. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think people are still suffering right now over there as we sit here. Yeah, covered, surely. Right? Yep. So, yep. Um, yeah, I could get my notes and read some of that stuff. Do you want to? Do you want to? Uh... Yeah, I'll just. Uh...